0: When Braden was eight, he was honest. Sometimes to a fault.
1: Dear Santa Claus, If you think I've been a bad boy, can you at least fill my stocking? And if you think I've been a good boy, I would like a Game Boy Advance pack. Thanks, your friend Braden. P.S.
0: But never mind, I've been bad. That's Braden reading a letter to Santa. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Nice to see you, boy, oh boy. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live in Regina, we have an encounter with Batman, poetry about love and chemistry, and the terrifying tale of a murderous English teacher. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and it has a lot to say about who we are. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. A lot of the things people read on our stage are kind of embarrassing. Like our next reader, Kaylee. Kaylee is going to read the story of her most embarrassing moment ever. This took place in grade eight when she accidentally grabbed her crush in the balls (laughs) during a warm-up game in gym class. She was mortified and she says... It has some pretty serious ramifications. Please welcome to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage, Kaylee. Quick heads up, Kaylee uses a cuss word, which we do not believe.
2: Well, it's official. My life sucks shit. Today, one of the most horrible things ever happened to me. So your school is doing this gymnastics program and we had to play this stupid game where you run around hitting everyone on the knees with your hands. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Robbie is short, so his knees... (laughs) So his knees are lower to the ground. (laughs) I misjudged where I should swing my arm and hit him in the you-know-what. Not his butt, but the other vital organ. Since he already probably thinks I like him, that looks really bad. He thought I did it on purpose, and he told Aiden because they both gave me dirty looks. I was so upset that as soon as the bell rang, I just ran out of there. I didn't even wait for my friends. I'm so scared because right now I'm thinking, I might dream about something gross. (laughs) Plus, I have to face him tomorrow. What a life! It's like my purpose is so that others realize they're lucky. (laughs) Update. Well, Robbie forgave me, I guess, because he's been talking to me. Actually, he started talking to me again only a little bit after that happened. I guess he knew it was an accident. Anyway, though, I have another problem. Robbie found out I liked him. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) I don't know if I've been been giving signs or if someone, cough, Ashley, cough, told him or mentioned it loud enough. I think he likes me too, though. I found out today. (laughs) I'm so excited and happy. But who knows? I could end up being gay or something. Thank
0: you. Balls, the other vital organ. When I was in high school, our English teacher assigned the class an autobiography project where we had to put our life story down into words. Mine was called Censored for Your Protection, the Daniel Meisner Story. And despite the title, it's actually pretty tame. As we've traveled from city to city with this show, I've learned that a lot of kids had to write autobiographies for school. And the fascinating thing, to me at least, is that an autobiography is supposed to tell the story of your life and the story of who you are. But as a kid... You're still figuring that out. You're figuring out who you are. And even though it's difficult to get any kind of distance or perspective on your own life when you're a kid, that's exactly what we try to do when we write an autobiography. The thing I love about kid autobiographies is the same thing I love about grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. The idea that we can look at who we used to be and try and gain some insight into who we are and who we might become. Live on stage in Regina, here's David Robert, reading his autobiography.
1: My autobiography, written uh, April 1974, age 13. I was born on a humid Saturday morning at 5 a.m. in Seanovan Union Hospital. My first house was on Main Street in Dollard, Saskatchewan. It was an old, unpainted shack with a high fence. (laughs) In the front part of my house, my mom ran the town post office. At one month old, I went for my first car ride in an old Chev that was pulling all of our belongings in an old trailer to Regina to stay. We moved in with my uncle, aunt, and their family. My mom was on welfare. (laughs) We were staying there till we found another place. We moved into a yellow house and lived in the back half of it. We had running water, but no sewers, so we had to throw the water outside. We had a huge corn crop in the garden, where I constantly got lost. (laughs) We didn't have a car. We moved to Greer Court Projects, but the whole place was just mud and dirt, with only nine blocks of apartment built when we got there. There were only three trees there. Just later, they chopped down two because they were dead. When I was six, I remember playing in a mud puddle while it was raining. I glanced up and saw Batman, my hero at the time. I ran inside and told my mom about it and then she showed me. It was only the mailman in his raincoat and empty mailbag. Then I started going to school. In grade one, my teacher was Sister Margaret. Everyone hated her, because she always gave everyone the strap with a plastic ruler. Luckily, it was plastic and usually always broke, until some stupid idiot bought her a metal one. My first pet was a fuzzy male golden Labrador pup. The next year, it broke its leg and we had to put it to sleep because we couldn't afford the vet bill. In March 1973, I entered the Regina Science Fair and won fourth prize. It was a, yeah. (laughs) It was a $10 award and a framed award. It was on flatworms. My My second pet was a beagle. She's fat and lazy, but can run like a son of a bee. My best subject is library, period. My second best is gym. Then, third best is health, period. Then comes my bad subjects in order of lousy to sickening art, spelling, music, religion, math, language, science, literature, social studies. Then, last but least, French. Uh, This September, I'll be going to Miller High School where I'll be going for grade 9 and maybe on to grade 10, 11, and 12. (laughs)
0: Thank you. Poetry is always popular at Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, and so is Heartbreak. Our next reader, she brought both. Sherry read three poems she wrote when she was 15. And when I asked Sherry to characterize this poetry, she said, it's horrible. Please welcome to our stage, Sherry.
3: What I Know About Love... Love is like a flower that blooms one summer day. It takes off all your worries and wipes your tears away. But love is like a nightmare. You have one summer night. You see it, then it leaves you all alone and full of fright. Love is like a new knife with a sharp and deadly blade. It cuts your heart in half leaves you hurt, I'm so afraid. <laughs> and love is like the racetrack where you go to place a bet. If you're the one that loses, you can't help but feel regret. <laughs> please, please don't get me wrong. Love is never always bad, but everything I've written is what experience I've had. small interlude. I looked outside, saw flowers on the step, thought about it, could it be? I go outside, I read the card, of course they aren't for me. And lastly, on a lighter note, (laughs) the chemistry between us. I was just an element living my life. I had no need to be a compound. But in nature, we came in contact. You whizzed toward me, grabbed hold of me, protons and all. Then, inevitably, you stole my electron. Only one... But it matters all the same. I was united to you. I needed you now. But you had no need for me. Not really, anyway. So now I am positively charged. (laughs) And you are off somewhere with my stolen electron.
0: And the Grown-Ups Rethinks They Wrote As Kids Award for Nerdiest Love Poem goes to Sherry one more time. One of the best things about Grown-Ups Rethinks They Wrote As Kids is the sheer variety of things that people bring to our stage. And sometimes a single reader will bring all kinds of different things and will get a bit of a retrospective. Like our next reader, Evan, who brought a collection of writing from grades 2, 4, and 6. And he started with some short stories. Some very short stories.
4: Story one, a little voice. One day I was walking in the valley. All of a sudden I heard, ouch! And again, I heard it. I saw an elf. The end. (laughs) The lonesome scarecrow. The farmer made a scarecrow. The scarecrow liked the crows. There was one on his hat and one on his hand. (laughs) One day the farmer came out with his shotgun and shot the crows. The end. A winter discovery. One day my dog led us to some aliens and it touched me. And it felt weird. And it was scary. The aliens went into space. The end. The bear that couldn't sleep. One day a bear couldn't sleep because he had a nightmare about Freddy Krueger. Then he beat him up. Then he woke up, and he was hungry. He went to a den, and there were two carrots and one nut. A mouse lived there, and the mouse kicked him in the rear end. His rear end was sore. The end. Oh, there's more. Some letters I wrote. Dear Wayne's World, (laughs) it's me again, Evan Barron. I hear you're making a Wayne's World 2. If you're making a Wayne's World 3, do you think I could be in it? I know I sound greedy, but that has always been my dream to star in a movie with you two. I act in school and I always get the lead part. So that means I'm a good actor. Well, not as good as you guys, but pretty good. In my letter, you know how I put my favorite hockey team was the L.A. Kings? Well, to me, now they suck. Sorry, but now I have to go. The one last poem that I just got this weekend from my grandma. I grew up in a very strong Catholic family with my mother, anyways. Easter, the time of peace. Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried. He rose on the third day. He descended into heaven. (laughs) If I was alive in those days and was a Christian, I would lie to the Romans that I'm not a Christian and see how they would like to be hammered on a cross. (laughs) Don't forget to have a joyous Easter. (laughs) Goodbye.
0: Our next reader, Jillian, grew up on a farm in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. And the year she was 14, she saw a lot of death. And she wrote about it in her diary.
5: First, I have to tell you that Dana is a dog, and Mr. T is my aunt's husband's father. Like, not the real Mr. T, but you'll figure it out. January 27th, 1986. We found out that Dana died. Mr. T got cancer and will croak soon. I'll miss Dana. (laughs) Poor Auntie Vicky. (laughs) August 22nd, 1986. Dear Diary, Chris gave me my first kiss on Friday, June 13th, and we broke up on Wednesday, June 18th. (laughs) I'm in band camp, and so far, three guys like me, plus a lifeguard at the water park. I must be pretty. I've started a Ouija board club. (laughs) Now, the important thing from here on in are the dates. Sunday, June 7th, 1987. We got a puppy! He's pure black, except for a small white streak on his chest. I call him Mike. (laughs) He's part lab and part husky. He's huge for his age. He will be a very strong dog. He's only four weeks old, and already, when you put his paw in your hand, it almost covers the center of the palm. I love Mike. He is a substitute for the boy I need so desperately. (laughs) Sunday, June 14th, seven days later. Well, we have a new puppy. Dad ran over Mike with the truck. (laughs) He really feels bad about it too. Anyway, Sambo, our new puppy, looks exactly the same as Mike, except she's female, so not big or strong. Too bad, Mike would have been really strong. (laughs) November 4th, 1987. I hope Chris likes me, I hope someone likes me, but mostly Chris. P.S. Daddy had to shoot Sambo. (laughs) It's, it's best for her, but I'll miss her. Not as much as Mike, though. <laughs>
0: Jillian wasn't the only reader at our Regina show who wrote about death. When Sabrina was in grade 9, she got very deep into teenage horror fiction
6: authors like R.L. Stein, Christopher Pike, Lois Duncan, and then I also got into all of the B.C. Andrews books, Flowers in the Attic, and everything else. What appealed to me at the time when reading all of those books is that as a teenager, you're kind of expected to be happy-go-lucky, and these are the best years of your life, and of course you wouldn't have a care in the world. But... Being a teenager can be really tough. And so these books gave you a permission to be dark and a permission to sort of explore that side of life.
0: So Sabrina decided to write her own teenage horror story in the style of her literary heroes. She wrote a story all about an evil teacher who was murdering her students. Live on stage in Regina, here's Sabrina.
7: No, I don't think I'll go to school today. I'll fake being sick. Anything to get away from that hideous English teacher, Mrs. Morton. Miranda, dear, are you getting ready for school yet? It's 8.30 already. You don't want to be late on the first day of grade six, do you? Mother called. I'm not going to school today. I'm sick, I called back. Mother walked into the room and pulled the covers off my head. Miranda, I can tell you are not sick, so get out of bed already. But Mom, Mrs. Morton, look... I don't want to hear anything more about Mrs. Morton. She is the sweetest lady I've ever met, and she really likes you. Why do you hate her so much? Mom, she's evil. Do you think that all the deaths of kids in this town are accidents? She kills them, Mom, I yelled. Now, Miranda, just because you don't like a certain teacher doesn't mean you have to turn her into some sort of murderer, she reasoned. Robert acted the same way as you are when he had her in grade 6, too. But, Mom, don't you see? Robert died that year. (laughs) She killed him, I tried to tell her. We always ended up fighting about Robert's death. (laughs) Mother was convinced that it had been an accident, but I knew the truth. Last year's field trip was supposed to be fun. Everyone was looking forward to swimming, fishing, and telling ghost stories by the campfire. The only problem was that Mrs. Morton was going. We overlooked that fact, though, in anticipation of the great time we were to have. That is where we made our first mistake. (laughs) My brother was off by himself, fishing. When I saw Mrs. Morton going toward him, I began to get suspicious. I ran for the secluded spot when I heard my brother scream. Mrs. Morton was holding his head underwater. As soon as she saw me, she pulled him out and acted like she was saving him. Everyone ran for the spot when they heard the screams. Robert's dead. Oh, my God, he's dead. She killed him, I screamed as I began to cry. Poor child, she's delirious. Give her some room, Mrs. Morton said. Someone should get her some water. Well, maybe not. That is, after all, what killed her brother. (laughs) You killed him. You did, I screamed as they dragged me off. The last I saw of my brother was the white sheet being pulled over his face by none other than Mrs. Morton herself. (laughs) I feel like crying again when I think about it now. Mom, I saw her hold him under the water, I protested. Miranda, all you saw was her trying to save him. I don't want you to say anything more about it, she said. Fine, but that doesn't mean it's not the truth, I muttered and walked away. I was almost out the back door when I turned back and went into Robert's room. It was still the same as it had been before he died. I reached into the bottom drawer of his dresser and pulled out his survival knife. The cold steel felt good in my hand. (laughs) Don't worry, Robert. Mrs. Morton won't be a problem after today. (laughs) I missed my bus, so I had to walk to school. I was half an hour late. She called me up to her desk after school. Why were you late, she asked me. Oh, quit the act already. I know you killed him. I saw you kill him, so don't deny it. I didn't kill your brother, but if I did, what could you do about it, she said in an evil voice. I guess I would just have to kill you now, would not. I said in a tone that matched hers almost exactly as I pulled out Robert's knife. I loved the way it shimmered under the fluorescent lights. As I held it above her head, preparing to plunge it into her skull, she wrestled the knife away from me just before it struck. Now the knife that I had intended to kill her with was about to be used on me. It was suspended in midair, about to plunge into my heart. I really don't want to do this. You're a very nice girl, but you just know too much, she said, as she shoved the knife into my heart and twisted it. Blood poured everywhere. This would be the second time Mrs. Morton had twisted a knife in my heart. As I was lying in a puddle of my own blood, (laughs) breathing my last breath, my mother walked into the classroom. I thought I told you not to kill her too. Our deal was that you just kill him, mother said. She knew too much, Mrs. Morton protested. You murderer! Miranda, are you still alive? She screamed hysterically as she shook me. Mom, I'm okay, for now, I said weakly. I knew I wouldn't live for long. You'll pay for this, Morton. You'll pay. I'll take you to court. You'll be put away for the rest of your life, Mother screamed. And will you testify that you hired me to kill your son? I don't think I need to worry about you going to the police anyway. For the same reason, all the other people who hired me never went, she said as she raised the knife over her head for one last time.
0: That was fiction, right?
6: (laughs) I want to reassure everyone that, yes, I am a fully functioning adult. Um, I'm not as dark as I used to be. Now I read Canadian fiction for the most part.
0: That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Our show was recorded live at the Artesian in Regina and produced... By Jenna Meisner. Our music is by Pottington Bear and Lullatone, and our intern is Olivia Nashmi. Grownups Read Things They Wrote as Kids is an independent production supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can support the show, visit Grownups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Com. That's also where you'll find our upcoming tour dates and where you can join our email newsletter, which is the first place we announce new live events. One more time, that's Grown Read Things They Wrote As Kids.com. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.